The following is a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike, LLC. Here comes Resinos for the win from 41 yards out. The kick, it's good! On senior day, the senior comes up with the winning kick, and Iowa wins their eighth football game of the year. Man, what a great football game going back and forth. The Heroes Trophy going to Iowa once again, but it comes all the way down to a 41-yard game-winning kick by the senior. Hello, everyone. This is John Patchett, and welcome to the football show from Hawkeye's Mike. This is our special 2019 Outback Bowl Reporters Notebook podcast featuring both Scott Docterman and Steve Batterson, who preview the Iowa-Mississippi State game and talk Big Ten. And you'll hear from the head coaches in this contest, Iowa's Kirk Ferentz and Mississippi State's Joe Moorhead. This Hawkeye's Mike podcast is one in a series of our football programs, which include sports reporters. Reporters Scott Docterman of The Athletic and Steve Batterson from the Quad City Times and our own Tyler Chumeland and Jack Bransgard. The Iowa-Nebraska game highlights are courtesy of Fox with announcers Brian Custer and Ben Lieber. We very much appreciate it and thank them. Miguel Resinos was 11 for 12 in his career from 40 to 49 yards. Perfect 6 for 6 this season and none bigger than the one he just drilled here from 41 yards out to give the Hawkeyes the victory over Nebraska. 31 to 28. What a football game. Hawkeyes 266 yards rushing and Kirk Ferentz now 151 career victories in the Big Ten. How many things have you touched today? Hmm? Ooh, a puppy. <laughs> How many places have your hands been? Ooh, a keyboard. 24-hour hand sanitizer protection just makes sense. Prefins, a silica-based hand sanitizer protects your hands all day. Stays on up to 10 washings. Moisturizes, alcohol-free, and safe for the kids. So go ahead, touch anything and everything. Ooh, a toilet. Prefins. Keep your hands germ-free all day. The Iowa Hawkeyes of the Big Ten play the Mississippi State Bulldogs of the SEC in the 2019 Outback Bowl on New Year's Day. This will be the first ever meeting between these two schools. Iowa finished the regular season 8-4 and four overall and 5-4 and four in conference play and is currently not ranked in the three national polls. Mississippi State comes into this game with an overall record of 8-4 and 4-4 four and four and four in the Southeastern Conference. The Bulldogs' four losses all came in the SEC against Alabama, LSU, Florida, and Kentucky. They have notable wins on the road at Kansas State and Auburn, plus Texas A&M at home. MSU is ranked 18th in all three national polls, the AP coaches and CFP, and they are a slight favorite in this contest. Iowa head coach Kirk Ferentz, the dean of college football coaches, is completing his 20th season as the Hawkeyes head man. His overall record is one 
163 and 122. His record at Iowa, 151 and 101. He is the winningest head coach in Iowa football history. Mississippi State head coach Joe Moorhead is in his first year with the Bulldogs and their 8-4 record. His overall record as a college head football coach is 46-17. Prior to coming to MSU, Moorhead had a very successful run as offensive coordinator at Penn State, including the tutoring of Nitz quarterback Trace McSorley. In game notes, both Iowa and Mississippi State are among the nation's top defense and most observers believe this will be a low-scoring game. Both offenses have shown the ability to put up respectable numbers, but have also had difficulty scoring from time to time. Although the Bulldogs are much more one-dimensional on offense than is Iowa, and in their four losses, Mississippi State scored an average of just four points per game, ranging from zero versus Alabama to seven at Kentucky. MSU relies on the legs and arm of its big starting quarterback, Nick Fitzgerald, but primarily it's his running ability that makes the difference, and he is their team's leading rusher. The real strength of the Bulldogs is their defense, led by three key players, defensive end Montez Sweet, defensive tackle Jeffrey Simmons, and safety Jonathan Abram, but the entire defensive squad is very talented, physical, and fast, giving up an average of just 12 points and 268.4 yards per game. The Hawkeyes' defense is no slight and it's been a strength all season long as well. Iowa is first in the Big Ten in scoring defense, 17.4, second in rushing defense, 102.8, second in total defense, 289.6, and fourth in passing defense, 186.8. Iowa's total defense and rush defense are seventh nationally, and the Hawkeyes' rush D ranks eighth all-time in a single season in school history. Iowa is second in the Big Ten in sacks with 30 34, led by defensive ends A.J. Epinesa and Anthony Nelson, who have 9.5 each, which is tied for the Big Ten lead. The Hawkeyes have 18 interceptions this season. That's tied for most in the nation. Hybrid safety linebacker Amani Hooker was named the Tatum-Woodson Big Ten Defensive Back of the Year. On offense, Iowa is led by quarterback Nate Stanley, who has had 23 TD passes this year and 49 over the past two seasons. The Hawkeyes average 31 points per game, its highest average since the 2002 season under second-year offensive coordinator Brian Ferentz. Iowa will continue to rely on its trio of running backs, Mackay Sargent, Torin Young, and Ivory Kelly Martin. Sargent has rushed for 100-plus yards each of the last two games. While Iowa's wide receivers have continued to develop and made significant contributions, the strength of the Hawkeyes' offense has been its starting tight ends, Noah Fant and T.J. Hawkinson, but Fant is left for the NFL. Hawkinson won the John Mackey Award and was also named Big Ten Tight End of the Year. He leads Iowa with 717 receiving yards and he has 46 receptions. The offensive line play for the Hawkeyes has by and large been very good. It will need to be even better against Mississippi State's outstanding defense. Iowa's line has given up just 13 sacks the entire season. 
The kick and punt return game has been very big for the Hawkeyes all season, led by the top two returners in the Big Ten Conference. Amir Smith-Marset is third in the FBS, averaging 29.3 yards per return. Kyle Gronoweg averages 10.2 yards per punt return. Smith-Marset was named the Big Ten Return Specialist of the Year. In depth chart notes, Iowa comes into this bowl game relatively healthy. The two deeps largely unchanged since the regular season finale against Nebraska, except, of course, the Hawkeyes are playing this game fantless, which is a huge thing when it comes to both Iowa's offensive scheming and its productivity. How well the Hawks can compensate for losing Noah Fant may very well determine whether they can get an upset victory in the Outback Bowl over Mississippi State. In tidbits and nuggets, kickoff on the natural grass field at Raymond James Stadium in Tampa is set for 11 a.m. The game will be televised on ESPN2 with announcers Mark Jones, Dusty Dvorak, and Molly McGrath. The game will be broadcast on the Hawkeye Radio Network, KRUI, and Compass Radio with announcers Gary Dolphin, Ed Podolak, and Rob Brooks. This will be the sixth appearance by the Hawkeyes in the Outback Bowl. They are 2-3 and three in those contests. They have lost games to Florida in 2017, LSU in 2014, and Florida again in 2006. They beat South Carolina 31-10 in the 2009 Bowl, and they beat Florida 37-17 in their first appearance in this bowl game back in 2004. Now before we do this, let's go over the ground rules. Rule number one. No touching of the hair or face. Of course. And that's it. First and 10 now from the 15. It's the 11th play of this drive from the gun. Stanley throwing the fade. Caught touchdown. Brandon Smith makes the catch. Iowa strikes first. Nate Stanley threw Brandon Smith open. He was covered for most of the way, but the placement of the football is what allowed that touchdown. And the Hawkeyes go 11 plays, 79 yards. They do it in five minutes. And Brandon Smith caps it off with a touchdown catch. 7-0 here in Iowa. Let's hear from the head coaches in this game. First up, Iowa head coach Kirk Ferentz, who talked about the game week preparation and the opportunity to play in the Outback Bowl once again. I think we're, we're doing well in the practice field. Preparation's going fairly smoothly, and we're about hopefully where we want to be. Hopefully we can uh, finish out the week here and be ready to go uh, at kickoff. And then, you know, the other thing that's interesting, been here, uh, came here in 2003 or post-2003 season uh, for the 2004 Outback Bowl. Yeah, it's my sixth trip back, and, uh, you know, we've experienced good and bad on the field, but the one thing that's been really consistent is just how, how outstanding the experience is for our players, our coaches, all the families that are here. Uh, everybody's in the bowl party. So, uh, you know, bowls are really, I, I tell our players all the time, there's something that are, it's very special. Uh, it's something that's earned. Nobody gives you an opportunity to go play in a bowl game. And, and every bowl that we've participated in has been extremely significant and for the most part been first class, and this one's right at the top. Uh, that, that has been consistent going back to 2003. So, yeah, we're excited to be here. Uh, excited to close out the week and uh, looking forward to a, a really tough challenge on uh, on Tuesday playing a great Mississippi State team. Ferentz was asked about his defense when it played against Joe Moorhead's offense when Moorhead was offensive coordinator at Penn State. Well, we didn't play defense in 16, so uh, <laughs> throw that one out the window. That could have been a thousand yards instead of whatever it was. But we, you know, we made a better showing certainly the, the next time uh, we competed a lot. Uh, I think a lot better. There, there are some similarities, obviously. There's some differences too, and I think you know probably the biggest similarity is they 
both, uh, in my mind, the quarterback was the catalyst. I think that's really obvious right now with Mississippi State. You look at the amount of carries he's had uh, relative to anybody in the conference, not, not just quarterbacks. You know, he is the, the where everything starts with their offensive football team. And I felt the same way about uh, Penn State. You know, that quarterback's a tremendous player. You know, they look different. Both of them are just their leaders, their winners. And, you know, so that, that's to me where it all kind of starts. And if you don't have an answer, somewhat of an answer, you're going to be in, in trouble there. Kirk was asked what team this year's Mississippi State squad most reminds him of. I mean, with Penn State, obviously the connection there, the, the scheme is uh, similar. Players are different, that type of thing, but the scheme is somewhat similar. And it's really the same way on defense. Uh, Coach Shoup wasn't there when we played Penn State the last two years, but uh, I think his, his imprint was certainly left. Uh, I think it's so impressive, and, and Joe talked about this a little while ago. They, they've got really good players. Right, but those guys are really well coached, and they, they execute uh, the defense. So it's hard, hard to find them giving up big plays, you know, easy plays, which that, that's a sign of a good defense when they make you work for everything, and they, these guys certainly do that, run or pass. And Ference was asked how he tries to balance the reward of coming to a bowl game for the players versus focusing on the game preparation itself. You know, experience, and it certainly helps. And uh, our first bowl game, 2001, was like a first-time experience. Uh, but even in this game, we, we've got 70 guys on this trip that were, were not here two years ago. To put that in perspective, last year we played in New York. We were only there for like three days. So it was almost like an away trip, a normal away trip. So basically what I'm saying is 70 guys this is the first time experience, uh, you know, handling an entire week. But, but I think our guys, you know, get the, get the idea. And we want them to enjoy it, certainly. That's a big part of the reward for the players. Uh, but they also have to try to, you know, discipline themselves and have some time cut out to keep their focus on the preparation uh, and making sure we're doing what we do. So if we're meeting or practicing, hopefully their focus is on that. Then the rest of the time, hopefully they're enjoying things or relaxing, you know, one of those two things. <laughs> Visit HawkeyesMike.com and check the links for up-to-date information on Iowa games, TV channels, team schedules, and more. You can subscribe to all Hawkeyes Mike podcasts through iTunes. And you can follow Hawkeyes Mike on Medium and Twitter. Next, we hear from Mississippi State head coach Joe Moorhead, who expressed his appreciation for the chance to play in the Outback Bowl and talked about his team's preparation for the game. Very appreciative of the Outback Bowl leadership for selecting us to play in this uh, prestigious game. have been a part of a number of uh, high-level bowl games, and uh, I think this is second to none uh, from the opportunities our kids have had uh, to go to the Tampa Bay Lightning game. I went to Splitsville, did some bowling, uh, had a hospital visit, beach day. Uh, I mean, it's been unbelievable, not just for the kids, but for the coaches and our families and the entire travel party and you know the way the schedule was set up with us being able to take care of business with meetings and uh, practice in the morning and then move on to enjoying ourselves in the night uh, you know we're all certainly very appreciative of that and uh, we've had an unbelievable week thus far and, and look to continue to do so you know our goals are to win the SEC and, and compete for a national championship in the college football playoff and you know we're able to reach that goal but uh, this is this is not a plan B this is a plan able and when we sat down and look at the opportunities and the opponents and uh, the things that were available for our kids as a reward for achieving an 8-4 record and, and, you know, arguably the toughest conference and division in all of college football. You know, this one was at the top of the list and, and, you know, once again to be able to play a great team like Iowa in this setting with this bowl structure, you know, our kids couldn't have asked for anything better. Moorhead was asked about the carryover to Mississippi State from his Penn State offensive schemes. Yeah, I, I think there's a significant amount of carryover. You know, obviously a lot of things are based on your personnel. 
our, our belief is that you want to have your, your scheme match your personnel, not your personnel match your scheme. So there's some things we've done at Penn State and other places where I've been that maybe not necessarily fit, you know, because of who we have. But I'd say that the, the base foundation and structure are really the same. And, uh, you know, I, I'd say there's, you know, relative familiarity, you know, having gone against Iowa in you know, 2016 and 17 just on the offensive side of the ball. But, uh, you know, like anything, you know, coaches tweak, they change, they make adjustments. And, uh, you know, with a, a, a great staff, you know, we're certainly expecting a, a challenge like we saw the last two years we played them. Like Ferentz, Joe Moorhead was asked what team the 2018 Iowa squad most reminds him of. To compartmentalize a little bit, you know, Iowa's offense does, you know, to me it would be similar to an LSU type, you know, some traditional 21 and 12 personnel groupings, you know, physical offensive line, you know, quarterback that can beat you with his arm, obviously an excellent tight end and, you know, some game-breaking receivers. Uh, so certainly being able to defend a run, you know, the, the quick game, the quarterback movement stuff. Uh, and then defensively, I, I, we were actually discussing that as an offensive staff. I don't know that there's, uh, you know, one that really sticks out. You know, um, we see a bunch of three down in the conference, and you know, not a, a ton of four down. You know, certainly from a um, from a production standpoint, you know, giving up 17 points a game, just over 100 rushing, and I, I don't even know if it's 300 total yards. Uh, Iowa's defensive production stacks up with with anybody in the country. And also, like Kirk, Moorhead was asked about balancing the outside activities and fun of bowl week versus preparing for the game itself. It's about the ability to compartmentalize, and you know, the way the days are structured. You know, you wake up in the morning, you have breakfast, you position meet, you go to the field and practice, you know, come back as a staff, grade the tape, and then, you know, the players move on and, you know, the coaches move on to the activities and the fun. And you just want to make sure that the, the fun part doesn't overtake the football part, that you're striking that, that delicate balance between preparation and uh, activity. Time now for our two reporters' notebook features this week with Scott Docterman and Steve Batterson. First up, Steve Batterson. You can read Steve's articles in the Quad City Times and online at qctimes.com. You can follow Steve on Twitter at sbat79. Steve previews this bowl game matchup between Iowa's defense and Mississippi State's offense, plus he talks special teams. The uh, matchup between Iowa's defense and, and the Mississippi State offense is uh, uh, not totally unlike the the matchup on, on the flip side of the ball uh, that uh, the Iowa offense will find itself dealing with uh, against the Bulldogs. So uh, this, these are two teams that uh, you know certainly you know are, are, are defensive oriented. For Iowa, the uh, the challenge uh, begins with uh, finding a finding a way to defend a uh, another dual threat quarterback in uh, in Nick Fitzgerald. He's a little different than than Adrian Martinez and Trace McSorley. He's uh, He's a bigger quarterback, uh, 6'5", 230. He's a Georgia kid, third-year starter, who is uh, uh, is very capable uh, with his feet. And, and uh, he, he passed Tim Tebow's SEC record for rushing yards by a quarterback in a career earlier this season during a 195-yard rushing performance against Auburn. And the kid is uh, fearless. Uh, he's willing to run the ball between the tackles. He's, he's shown that repeatedly. The they go to him repeatedly uh, in third and short situations. He'll he'll keep it rather than hand off in those situations, and uh, you know he'll take it up the gut when he needs to. And uh, you know, 21 of his uh, uh, first down carries have come on third down plays. So uh, you know, this is a, this is a guy that Iowa is going to have to. Uh, to remain sound on, and it's an offense that uh, you know when when they've been able to run the ball effectively, they've had 
good success. That puts a premium uh, on, on stopping the run for Iowa, and, and uh, uh, you know, that's where it will begin for the Hawkeyes, and that certainly is no different than, than in any other game that they've played this season. But uh, the difference being uh, this time around that uh, that uh, the quarterback they're facing is uh, is skilled in a number of different ways. He, he's not the, the best passer, uh, but he has grown this season as a passer. Uh, he has not thrown an interception in his last uh, five games, dating to uh, the final minutes of, of a loss to LSU on, on uh, the 20th of October. Uh, since that point in time, he has completed over 60% of his passes. His season total is a little over 52%, so it's pretty pedestrian, but uh, when, when you take a look at uh, at what he's done lately, he certainly brings some, uh, you know, a, a little more success in the passing game to, to the table. Uh, some of that is growth that uh, that he's experienced uh, this year in working with the new staff uh, uh, led by uh, by Joe Moorhead, a former offensive coordinator at Penn State, who uh, was the guy working with Trace McSorley a year ago. So it's, it's uh, you know, he's a big kid. He's got a pretty good head on his shoulders, and, and in talking with him this week, he's pretty excited about the chance to uh, uh, to finish in a, in a New Year's Day game. It's uh, That's a first for Mississippi State since 2013, and uh, coming after a, a coaching change and, uh, you know, getting accustomed to a new staff, it's it's uh, uh, the chance for a nine-win season is as special to, to the Bulldogs as it is to, to Iowa. Uh, he, he's far from a one-man band, and, and that's where uh, that's where things get a little tricky. I was going to have to remain assignment sound because uh, uh, when teams have kind of overcompensated on, on Fitzgerald, uh, they've been able to uh, to move the ball around pretty well. Uh, Kylan Hill is, is their starting running back. He's a sophomore, and uh, he's averaging uh, around six and a half yards a carry uh, and uh, about 70 yards a game. He's their second-leading rusher. Uh, Fitzgerald has carried the ball 201 times uh, uh, during the course of the season, and uh, uh, you know Hill has had it 105 times. It's uh, he's one of those guys that if you if you go to sleep on him, you know he can he's very capable. He's had three 100-yard rushing games this season against SEC competition, so uh, it will be a a, a test at a couple of different spots. Uh, you know the, their line is is anchored by a, a center, a senior who is uh, rated by uh, Mel Kiper Jr. as as the top center prospect in this year's draft. A kid by the name of El, Elton Jenkins. Uh, he weighs in at 6'4", 310. Uh, they are big across the front at, at 335, 310, 310, 320, and 340. And uh, that, that gives Fitzgerald plenty of time to to, uh, to work and operate uh, the offense. It's a um, it's a group that, uh, you know, certainly has, uh, has some capable receivers as well. Uh, you know, they, they don't throw it as much as some teams, but when they do throw it, you know, they, they have a number of guys who can uh, who can catch the ball. They've got uh, eight guys with at least ten receptions on the season. Their their, their leading receiver is, is uh, Osiris Mitchell. Twenty four catches for the year. It's a pretty pedestrian number when you when you consider that that's about half of what uh, T.J. Hawkinson has, has uh, you know caught for Iowa. And then it drops off to to uh, to nineteen for for Kylan Hill. And uh, they will be without one of one of those eight uh, receivers with ten or more catches. A kid by the name of Keith Mixon, who is also their starting punt returner, did not make the uh, did not make the trip to the bowl game. So uh, a, a little injury type situation uh, that they're working through as well. And uh, it, it'll be uh, it, it'll, it's an offense that uh, has struggled at times against good defenses. Uh, it, it's an offense uh, which certainly Iowa falls into that category. But they've also made uh, forced teams to to kind of earn some respect. Yeah, it, it'll be a test. And 
and and you know they'll bring that SEC quickness to to the field, which is is the norm when you when you get to this level. And it will be uh, you know as uh, as uh, Phil Parker put it, it will, it will be a, a situation where uh, his guys need to be on top of their game from the start because they're certainly capable of, of breaking some big plays. And uh, Iowa's ability to kind of hold hold uh, that run game in check uh, and make them as as one dimensional as possible will be the objective heading into Tuesday's game. The Bulldogs are fairly young on special teams. Uh, their their place kicker is a sophomore kid by the name of uh, Jace Christman. He, he's a walk-on. He was a freshman All-American a year ago, uh, so he, he has some experience. And uh, you know, he, he's a capable, capable kicker. He, he's nine of 13 in field goals uh, this season. His, his long has been 47. He's had one block, and uh, you know, two of those uh, nine have been uh, uh, very short distance, uh, under under 20 yards, which. Uh, is reflective of the struggles that their offense has had at times in, in moving the football. Their starting punter is also a sophomore. Uh, he's a first-year guy. His name is Tucker Day. Uh, he's averaging 38.1 yards. Uh, he's, he's put 12 of his uh, 42 punts inside the 20 and, and has had two of 50 yards or more. So, you know, a, a kid who's dealt with some of the uh, inconsistencies that go uh, along with being a, a first-year guy, and, uh, you know, that's uh, it's, uh, an issue. And, and and certainly, I think uh, with uh, an area where Iowa may have a have an advantage of sorts, you know, certainly in, in Miguel Racinos with a, as a senior kicker uh, provides some consistency. Has been there from start to finish. Um, Iowa's punting game obviously has been uh, improved this season, but uh, at times has been a little spotty. Uh, I, I think nobody is happier about being in Florida for a bowl game this year than, than Miguel Racinos and, and Colton Rastatter. It's uh, it's much easier easier to operate. Uh, in the weather that uh, that they're going to find themselves um, you know, dealing with on game day, uh, than it was uh, you know in, in the northern climate in November, uh, and, and certainly uh, when you go back and compare it to what Iowa dealt with last season at, at Yankee Stadium in the Pinstripe Bowl and and the frigid temperatures there, uh, you know, a high predicted high around 80 degrees on game day here in Tampa uh, certainly I think has uh, has those guys pretty fired up about uh, about playing on Tuesday. When you when you look at at, at the Return game, uh, punt return is a question for for Mississippi State because uh, uh, Keith Mixon is, is their guy. He averaged six and a half on on eleven uh, uh, returns a year. Uh, Dedrick Thomas probably becomes the guy that that replaces him. Uh, he's caught six punts this season, averaging a little under under six yards a, a return. Uh, their kickoff return guy is a guy by the name of Brian Cole. Uh, Thomas has also returned some kicks as well. Uh, Cole averages twenty two and a half yards uh, on. Uh, on returns, he's had ten of them this season, so he's uh, he's uh, you know as capable as as uh, certainly uh, Amir Smith Marset has been for the Hawkeyes over the course of the season. So uh, it, it'll be an interesting matchup. I think Iowa does have a slight edge on on special teams, and I think it's uh, you know it's something that um, you know hopefully they'll be in a position to to exploit. Stanley, touchback, Young, touchdown, Hawkeyes. Two offensive possessions, two touchdowns for the Iowa Hawkeyes. Well, it's all about the wash. You're going to get everybody going to the offensive right side and look at everybody in the white jerseys over committing to that one side. And it's the cutback that you always have to watch out for with this Iowa offense. Iowa had 203 rushing yards last week. They've already got 78. And they've got a 14-7 lead.
Next, we hear from Scott Docterman. You can read Scott's articles online at theathletic.com slash team slash Iowa dash Hawkeyes. You can also follow Scott on Twitter at Scott Docterman. Scott previews the matchup in this Tuesday's Outback Bowl game between Iowa's offense and Mississippi State's defense. Plus, he talks some Big Ten Bowls. Hey, John, how you doing? It's lovely here in Tampa, Florida right now. It's uh, I think it's about 73 degrees with 94% humidity. So as somebody who's not really enjoying hot weather as it is to have a humid, it makes me long for my trip back to Iowa. <laughs> Actually, I'm just kidding. Um, you know, looking at this matchup, I mean, I, I think Mississippi State is formidable against Iowa's offense. I mean, this is a one of the this is probably the best defense that Iowa has faced this year, you know, and certainly in the front wall. And I think the only one that compares with this is Penn State. And Penn State was really the only one to really jar Iowa's offensive line. I mean, Iowa allowed only 13 sacks this year, which is really impressive considering just two years ago when C.J. Beathard was quarterback, they allowed 30. So, uh, you know, uh, you had uh, I think it was Alec Jackson allowed only two and Tristan Wirfs didn't allow any. So this, this is a unit that can really protect the passer. But they're going to get more, more of a push, I guess, from the players that, that they're going to be facing than they had all of year. I mean, Montez Sweat, you know, has 11 sacks. He's second in the SEC. Just got has great burst off the edge. You're going to see him play kind of like a Terrell Suggs role at the next level. He's, you know, he's now a down lineman. I think he's going to be more of a three-four outside backer who's a pass rush specialist. He's probably the best one that Iowa's faced this year. Uh, as an opponent, um, you know, because uh, I think AJ Epinez is the best pass rusher I've seen this year. So I think that's going to be uh, that's going to be a real challenge. But I think it's also a real opportunity for for both Worfs and for Alaric Jackson at left tackle. That I mean, both of them are sophomores. Both of them um, I think have NFL potential, NFL pedigrees. So how they perform against an NFL caliber pass rusher uh, will help them in elevate their, their stock. You know, going into next year. Um, you know, perhaps even, uh, you know, preseason All-American type honors. So I think that's going to be really interesting to see how that matchup materializes. Now, the the one that where Iowa is going is suspect and it's going to be a real challenge is it nose tackle against uh, Jeffrey Simmons. I mean, this this guy's a man. This guy's an All-American, legitimately a starter in the NFL if he was playing right now. I mean, he had 14 and a half tackles for loss as a nose guard, uh, you know, and he led, uh, you know, all defenders uh, in the SEC or defensive linemen with 59 tackles. So it's going to be a challenge for Iowa. They're going to they knew about him early on. They're going to have to, you know, usually in Iowa's uh, zone runs, you know, they double team the nose tackle or, or you know whoever's in the a gap and then you know scrape over to the backer. In this case, they might have to continue to double team him to g- dislodge him off the ball, which may mean more fullback to try to get some iso blocks or or get some sort of block on the backer. Uh, so it's going to alter their game plan a little bit just simply because of the personnel that they're facing. 
You know, and then they have a really good, strong safety in Jonathan Abrams. Uh, he's one of the better ones in the country. Uh, I think he was a second-team All-American. So this is a physical unit. This is one of the best units in the country. They allow the fewest points at, you know, 12 points per game. That's that's saying something. In their three wins in, in November, they allowed three points to Louisiana Tech. They allowed six to Arkansas and three to Ole Miss. I mean, you can't look past that. You know, I think they had, what was it, nine games where they allowed 14 points or, or less, you know, the most in the, in the NCAA. And, you know, they only allowed 12, 12 touchdowns. So everything is going to be at a premium for Iowa's offense. And, uh, you know, I think another factor for Iowa is you're looking at, you know, the lack of Noah Fant is really going to hurt. And it's because of, he's such a playmaker. He could do so many different things for you if uh, he was on the field that I think it, that makes it also a problem for Iowa to, you know, how do they replicate that? How do they do something out of it? And and that's going to be challenging because, I mean, T.J. Hawkinson can get open against anybody, but, you know, they're going to cover him t- more tightly and use man coverage mostly on the perimeter against, uh, you know, Iowa's wide receivers. So it means Iowa's wide receivers are going to have to make plays when it's available. And it means Nate Stanley is going to have to make plays in order for uh, Iowa to run the football effectively. So the, the player that I'm kind of looking at right now is is absolutely must have a great game and that's brandon smith and he's got to be motivated i mean he's a mississippi native his father ran track at at mississippi state his older sister threw the hammer for mississippi state and his mom ran track for old miss so you know and and none of either of those schools really came after him mississippi state only came after him and you know, once uh, iowa offered him and he committed then they went oh well we better take a better look at this guy and and uh, so he's got a lot of motivation for this game he's excited and plus he knows he has to go back home and and hear it you know depending on how his performance is so what Iowa needs to do is it needs to make those plays when they're makeable they need to extend drives and they need shorter fields and so I, I think the, the biggest important part of that is, you know, just making sure you you complete those passes. If that's Brandon Smith, it's catching passes in traffic. Same thing with TJ Hawkinson. If you can get the ball to, uh, you know, Amir Smith-Marset on longer routes, you got to do that. You know, Iowa went out of two tight ends, 68% of its plays this year, and that's going to cut down quite a bit. I imagine you'll see more fullback, and I imagine on you know passing downs you'll see more three wide receiver sets than usual. So I think this is going to be uh, you know an interesting test. To me, outside of the the real X factors, which always figure in games like this, which are you know penalties, turnovers, and uh, you know those types of things, I think uh, you know field position is critical because this is not the type of team where you can go 80, 90 yards against on a frequent basis, and maybe once in the game. So you're going to have to make sure that your punting game is sound, which it's not, and you're going to have to make sure that uh, you know you get the ball in an advantageous situation, just so you can move move it, you know, just to even get field goals, because this is going to be a, a grinded out game. It's not going to be easy. You know, this is, uh, you know, the advantage to me in this situation goes to Mississippi State, just because the the teams that it play, the teams that it beat and the teams that it competed against, it's just, uh, it's, it's an overwhelming type of defense. That doesn't mean Iowa can't move the ball against them, can't score points. It just means that it's going to be one of the greater challenges it's faced all year and and uh you know without Noah Fant I think it's going to be a more difficult uh situation for the Hawkeyes 
Looking ahead at the Big Ten, I mean, you know what we've got, you know, a handful of games on the thirty first and, and first, and and I guess first you look at at Northwestern playing Utah. This is a tremendous matchup, and I thought Iowa and uh, Northwestern were pretty much inter- interchangeable depending on the bowl spot. So uh, you know, I think Northwestern Utah could go either way. I I mean, I like the toughness that Northwestern has displayed all year. This is kind of the end of the line for Clayton Thorson, which has been. Uh, you know, a true thorn in Iowa's side over the last three years. So uh, I think you can look at this game and you and you figure it's it's going to be close and competitive. You know, if Northwestern could kind of you know make sure defensively it contains Utah, it has some playmakers. You know, and then the other one I think is not as much of an advantageous matchup. And that's Michigan State and, and Oregon, and you, and you wonder. You know, which Michigan State team is going to show up? You know, that's really the question for this program. I mean, you know, when it played well, you know, hey, it beat Penn State and, and ruined Penn State's chances of getting in the New Year's Six and, you know, and trickled down from there. But then, you know, it looked so ordinary and bad at times. You know, Rutgers and late in the year, its offense was, I would say, you know, at Iowa 2012 levels. I, I hadn't seen anything like that for a while for Michigan State. So, you know, what team shows up now? D'Antonio is a pretty good coach, and he gets his, the most out of his team usually. I don't think this is one of those seasons or teams that you know that they're just going to flat give up. I think they're going to give a good effort, but is it going to be enough? I, I don't think so. I think they're going to compete, but I don't think they're going to win. When you look at uh, you know the the, the uh, Citrus Bowl, you know Penn State and Kentucky. You know, I, I, Kentucky's been a pretty good team. You know, last year lost to Northwestern by a point in the, you know, in the, the Music City Bowl. And this one has been a, you know, I, I, they, they've kind of moved up to, you know, this is, I think they've peaked. I think this is kind of where they, they go and they, they get throttled. And, and Penn State's got a good enough offense to, to do what it needs to do against anybody. I mean, this is last game for Trace McSorley. I, I do think that this is Penn State's game. Penn State should have been in the New Year's Six. It's really to me unbelievable that Florida was two spots ahead of it um, it just goes to show that strength of schedule doesn't matter in all when it comes to the, the selection committee's rankings so I think you look at that and go well um, I, I like Penn State in it and then finally Ohio State versus Washington Washington's been real inconsistent this year uh, it's got some talent you know it was what in the playoff a couple years ago uh, you know this is Urban Meyer's last game I think Ohio State was the type of team that had it gotten in the playoff it would have done some significant damage and it might have won it all because it just has it's one of those few teams i think only alabama and clemson are the other two that have enough skill at all the positions that on any given day they could beat any team in the country and the way that they've played and the fact that it's urban meyer's last game and and that they were snubbed and i mean i think this this could be a route this could be a 62 to 24 type of game but of course, I could be wrong, but I do think that Penn, that uh, you know, Ohio State, you know, rolls to victory in the Rose Bowl and and hands, uh, you know, and Urban Meyer hands the baton over to to Ryan Day, and we'll see, you know, how he can kind of extend that legacy. Sergeant, right side, five touchdown, Hawkeyes, sixteen-yard touchdown run by Makai Sergeant, the sophomore out of Key West. Well, again, it's all about this Iowa's front wearing you down. Both running backs using power and vision in this game. So far, the Hawkeyes, three for three in the red zone. All three touchdowns. This one by Makai Sargent. 21-10 is our score here in Iowa City. 
Now it's time for Steve's and Scott's predictions. Iowa versus Mississippi State, the 2019 Outback Bowl on New Year's Day. You know, this on the surface is, is one of those bowl games that has a has the making of a of a 12-10 kind of game. Uh, two pretty stout defenses that. Uh, are very prideful and, and very capable of, uh, of stopping the run and uh, going up against two offenses uh, offenses that are that are built on, on running the football and, and uh, you know that, that's where the challenge begins for both of these teams and I, I think if uh, if anybody can get anything going through the air I think they're going to put themselves in a, pre- in a pretty good position to uh, to win this football game I think it's a game that I was certainly is capable of winning um, I, I think it's going to be a fairly low scoring game uh, you know if you're looking for uh, you know, lights out uh, bowl uh, season excitement. Uh, this probably isn't the matchup uh, that is going to you know step to the forefront in on the highlight reels at the end of the bowl season. But uh, you know, I think it's going to be an entertaining game. Uh, I think it's going to be a game that will be decided in the fourth quarter. And uh, I, I do think that uh, Iowa is going to find a way to to win its ninth game of the season. But I think it's probably going to be a, a very close call. Probably something on the order of uh, of uh, twenty one to uh, uh, to 18. When you look at the uh, Iowa-Mississippi State game, I mean, it, it's going to come down to two great defenses containing players on both sides of the ball. And uh, really, you know, it's about, it's going to be played in the margins. It's going to be played by field position. It's going to be played by, you know, who turns the ball over, who doesn't, you know, penalties at critical junctures in the game, you know, just the smallest details I think are really what's going to determine the outcome of this game. Cause I think both teams have playmakers on offense. They certainly do on defense. And uh, you know, we, we can see, you know, some of those situations happen, but you know, can, AJ Epineza break loose and sack Ryan Fitzgerald and force a fumble, you know, inside the 30 yard line and Iowa can take it in and score or will Iowa kick field goals or, you know, just those types of details, you know, who's going to break loose, you know, so, you know, it's hard to predict those types of things. So, I mean, really just kind of going, I, I could see either team winning this game, but when I look most closely, I, I think Mississippi state's defense is going to be really difficult for Iowa to penetrate. You know, it's running game has been pretty inconsistent without a Noah Fant wide receivers that at times have played well but you know sometimes haven't been able to get a lot of separation and you've got big talented corners uh, on Mississippi State's squad I just I don't think Iowa has enough juice in a traditional set in a traditional battle to beat Mississippi State now that said if there's a kick return a forced fumble and a scoop and score you know whatever then then you know that could tip it the other way but in a traditional game that's really the only way you can predict it I'm going to go Mississippi State 16 to 10 against Iowa and uh, you know I I think uh, you know it, it could be if you like traditional football, I think it could be a real fun one to watch. If you like offensive football, maybe you switch to a different game. Hasn't been easy. It won't be easy. Our thanks again to Fox for the Iowa-Nebraska game highlights, and thanks as always to Steve Batterson and Scott Docterman. We hope you've enjoyed this program. All Hawkeyes Mike podcasts are available and can be subscribed to on iTunes, Overcast, and other podcasting apps. HawkeyesMike.com, podcasting original programming on Iowa athletics for 12 seasons. It's all Hawkeyes all the time on HawkeyesMike.com. One passion, many voices. Nice work, everyone. Sharp broadcast. Really good. Everyone on the floor as well. Really a lot of hustle. I liked it.
this has been a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike, LLC.